Today on the pod, we are going to be reviewing Rambo Last Blood. I also get to sit down and chat with Bill from BatmanOnFilm.com. We're going to talk about that Jonah Hill news, about what's happening in the Joker world, and a bunch of awesome stuff in between of that. We're also going to be doing a top five. Our top five this week is unnecessary plot points that stay with you long after the film is gone. And finally, me and John talk about why Superman probably shouldn't use his laser eyes for anything other than saving the world, especially not foreplay. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. I am your host, my name is Adam Flint, I am recording live on Squadcast in my pod cave, it's the cave where I get my pods done, but joining me more importantly is my co-host, my wingman, the guy who's worked on video games like Guitar Hero, Guitar Hero 2, DJ Hero, a bunch of other heroism stuff as well, John Crick, how you doing my boy? Um amazing it's been a while since you brought up my game gaming past but uh, i appreciate it <laughs> how about you how are you doing i'm good mate i've got to just say i really enjoyed your your intro just then because you came in like barry white through my headphones just now it's just a hey <laughs> i'm a little bit sick so that's understandable <laughs> I'm good, man. I've been. Uh, it's been a very, very busy week. Uh, we've been invited to some pretty cool stuff, which we'll be reviewing over the next couple of weeks. Um, but before we start our usual podness of reviews and news and entertainment and all that sort of stuff, I want to put in uh, the first chat I had this week. So I had a I had a catch up with Bill from BatmanOnFilm.com. Uh, we talked about the latest speculation about Jonah Hill potentially being cast in the new Batman movie along with Jeffrey Wright. We talk a bit about uh, that potential casting. What does that mean for the the world going forward in terms of Batman? I also asked a couple of urban myths about Batman lore, which he completely corrected me on. Uh, it's yeah, amazing when you speak to someone who's got so many industry contacts and, and knows the world inside out from that sort of stuff. So it's a generally awesome chat. So I want to put that at the start. Full disclosure, we've done it over Skype and Skype does what Skype does sometimes. So there's a little bit of a drop off, but we've cleaned up the audio. So it should sound all nice and well and good. So here it is. Enjoy. We are delighted to be welcoming back the legend Bill Jet Rainey from BatmanOnFilm.com, the authoritative, definitive, the dadgum original. How the hell are you, sir? <laughs> legendary i don't know about that but i am doing good thank you but thank you very kind sir <laughs> i am very very happy at the moment because i i, I want to say we've been invited but that's not true we've been begging we've been borrowing i've been kissing every brass ring i can to get an invite to a joker screening for next week i am so excited yeah. about this have you had a chance to see this yet yourself i'm seeing it mon this coming monday so oh. I'm in the same boat with you right now. I'll see you next week. So, I mean, but I am very excited to see it. Ah, oh, same, same. Do you think? Um, because obviously, there's been limited limited featured screenings now for various critics at different festivals and things like that and obviously a lot of the the talk is that this is not only uh, an amazing comic book movie but an amazing film for the next year in terms of award season and stuff like that do you think we're gonna we're gonna see that is that all hype or do you think it's real um from uh, talking to the friends of mine who have seen it that i that i know and trust i would say yes it's real um I think it would be really ironic if Joaquin Phoenix got a Best Actor Award, Oscar, 
for playing the Joker when Heath Ledger got a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for playing the the same character. You know, and it just I think it speaks to how great uh, the Joker, the character of the Joker is, and of course Batman's Rogues Gallery. So that, I, I would be amazed that level of uh, of a performance for sure. Hmm. Do you think that might inspire other spin-offs? Not sorry, not spin-offs, but these kind of standalone, uh, interesting stories based on that rogues gallery. Oh, think- I hope so. Oh, absolutely. I hope they do. Uh, I would love to see uh, several of these. Uh, DC's got some great characters. I would love to see these type of one-offs. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't. There's not a. They don't have a name for this this brand of film yet. You know, it, it goes by Black Label, kind of, sort of, just just for the sake of, of, of having something to call it. But yeah, I would I would love to see them spin off. I think you could do it with Batman characters, like you could do it with, excuse me, Superman, uh, Superman characters. I think you can do it with any any of these DC characters. So, uh, I mean, Spectre, Deadman, um, there's, there's just a lot of, a ton mm. of them that I would love to see this kind of uh, approach to. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I think it was even yourself, kind of campaigning for this back in the day when it was everyone was going for this shared universe and i think it was even you guys were saying look that's already been done do something that hasn't been done and i think you know from what we're seeing from a i mean the trailers are beautiful and i think a lot of people kind of forget that yes okay todd phillips has done films like the hangover but that doesn't mean you can't go and make other beautiful things and this is something you know which is we shouldn't be judging a book by its cover and i think we're all been taken quite surprised by this in such a good way yes i mean look i've said this before i don't know if i'm gonna like joker or not I, i hope i do but i applaud warner brothers for doing something different with this genre uh i talked to michael uslin about it several times and you know he said this this is what this is what the genre needs right now. It needs something like Joker to kind of shake it up and you know even you know inspire not just Warner Brothers in DC but even you know Marvel to do do something like this because um, I mean at some point the shared universe, the formula uh, you know being a formula type approach where it's almost TV episodic we'll get a little bit old so yeah i applaud them for doing this and give me more i don't care what what <laughs> studio or our comic book company comes from yeah and speaking of more because although it feels like an age ago that the batman was even announced as a as a crusp of an idea even when it was supposed to be ben yeah. affleck writing and penning it i mean i'd love to I, mm-hmm. I don't know what the original timeline is but it's probably nearer towards a decade by the time the actual film comes out anyway um we're we're, we're on the cusp of some more stuff with the batman it sounds like they're they're really gearing yes. up with casting and i want to get your opinion on this i don't know if this is true yet and um, as of time of recording mm-hmm. my understanding is that this is still rumour but it looks like that Jonah Hill um, is going to be involved in some size shape or form as well as Jeffrey Wright and I was wondering what your opinion was on that Yeah, uh, I think both would be great additions to the cast I'm more familiar with Jonah Hill um, you know he's not he's not just the fat kid from Superbad anymore he's hmm. become a very very good a- a- actor uh, uh, he, uh, stands out you know Moneyball etc um, I think we thank Penguin just because of his previous stature, but you know physically. But I think you know he could be maybe he's. A, I mean, like right now, I think he's like rail thin, dude. 
whatever project he's working on. So, but he's a re- really good actor. I know him a lot um, from a Howard Stern fan, and he's he's a frequent guest, and then that turned me on to watching this movie. So, yeah, I'm all about uh, him. Jeffrey Wright, uh, I think it's great. I think he's uh, the few things I've seen him in has been fantastic, and I have no issue with um, what some people, some fans have said. You know, we we need a quote unquote comic book accurate um, Jim Gordon, but I think he would be he, he would be great. So I hope they. Uh, I think that's a done deal. I think for sure mm. Jeffrey Wright is Gordon's a done deal. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, again, you you guys champion this. Get the good actor first, and then then worry yes. about the look and the feel, right? And uh, these yes. both, like you say, both incredible actors. Um, yes, absolutely. I think, like you said, it's kind of nailed on with Jeffrey Wright of everyone saying about Commissioner Gordon, which is an interesting mm-hmm. direction. Like you say, fantastic actor, really, really interesting. I love his voice; his pronunciation is always very, yes. very sort of yes. unique, isn't it? And um, yes. it's kind of cool. A lot of people, like you say, the obvious for Jonah Hill is to go Penguin, but I don't know why. But I'm feeling like he could be a really good Clayface. He could be. I, look, he could play any of these characters. He's, he's a very fine actor. I, like I said, I think. People look at him and they think, "Oh, that was that fat kid from Superbad." But you know, he's not that anymore. And and uh, not that he's a, you know he's not not that he's ashamed of Superbad. Superbad's a hell of a film. It's, mm. it's great. It's classic. But I think that's where they go to. You know, who says the penguin has to be a big fat guy? Now I know I say that as where I was told. You know, the character description was. Short, obese, big nose—you know, stereotypical joke from the comic books. But you know, maybe they do something different, and maybe he's not the penguin. Maybe he's whatever. You know, Riddler. Mm. Uh, I, you know, there's several characters in this film. Um, several villains are going to be in this film, so it could be any of them. Yeah, agreed. I think it's kind of funny how it's this kind of gone full circle in a weird way. That um, have you ever seen the film Ted Two, the Mark Wahlberg, Zeph McFarlane comedy? <laughs> I saw Ted. I didn't see the sequel. Yeah. So in the sequel, yeah. they go to Comic Con, and there's one scene where they have clearly <laughs> DC yeah. were doing an announcement. Obviously, they can't say DC, but they go, "Ah, oh, and the next yeah. Superman's going to be Jonah Hill." And there was a quick fanboy, "What the fuck?" moment. And yeah, um, that's hilarious. So Jonah Hill is. Uh, still somehow he's got into a DC movie well hopefully anyway yeah I, I agree with you the rogues gallery is incredible it's such a rich tapestry um, mm-hmm. in your opinion because mm-hmm. obviously and because of our last chat I can't help but just think of Andy Circus needs to be Penguin so in my yeah. mind that's my Penguin now but um, if Jonah Hill is something else that maybe we've not seen before whether that's Clayface or, or whatever lines they go down do you think that because there's certain characters which are so fantastical or so in the realms of impossibility, do you think this movie is going to be kind of Nolan grounded or is it going to go a little bit out there so that it can bring those more crazy characters in? I think it'll be, uh, it won't be as hyper realistic quote unquote as the Nolan films. I don't believe that, but I think it's, I think it's going to be a grounded, uh, noir, uh, detective movie with with action I, I don't know how far matt reeves is going to push the the envelope when it comes to say a man batter clay face or or you know whatever um character but but i think you know on the other hand there's ways to do those characters that don't that's not 
um, you know, yeah, the original version of Clayface was he was a master of disguise. He wasn't a a big big blob of mud who could shapeshift. So uh, okay. uh, there's there's ways to do these characters. So, but I th- I think um, I'm thinking more in terms of a more grounded approach, but a little bit more stylistic. If that makes any sense with you at all to to you at all. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, I suppose the only thing, and this is where I get mm-hmm. uh, I, obviously I, I don't make films, I don't write films, of course. But um, what I find interesting about this particular approach was that they seem to be looking at people without knowing what they're going to be, and that suggests mm-hmm. that the story's still quite up in the air at the moment which is kind of disappointing considering we've been waiting so long and this process to get to this point feels like a, a really long time. But then again, because of the 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 flip-flapping, for, better, for lack of a better word, of what mm-hmm. was happening post-Justice League, it kind of feels like what's going on here. But like you say, you don't get people like Jeffrey Wright involved. And I know that certain, a lot of the backroom people that are being hired for, uh, whether that's looking at set design or writing, anything mm-hmm. else, it's really talented people. Are you concerned that they're hiring people without knowing exactly where they're going yet? No, I, I, I think the script is, I think the story is done. The script is done. So I'm not worried about that whatsoever. Ah, okay. Um, I, I think that they said, you know, Jonah Hill's a hell of an actor. We got these characters. Let's see, you know, let's talk to him. Let's see what would interest him, what what, what fits, and, and, you know, we'll go with it. So mm. I think if you start, you know, it, it's, I mean, sometimes it's just, you know, a natural, an actor uh, or actress for a role is a natural, but sometimes, you know, you just, you know, you, you kick, I mean, hell, uh, when Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker of the Dark Knight, um, it wasn't that Nolan envisioned him as the Joker is that he wanted to work with Heath Ledger and then they had the dark Knight, and you know, there was the Joker character and <laughs> it just came to be, you know, go get a good actor, you know, and it'll take the rest take care of itself. That is very true, actually. And, um, I think, I, I don't know how true this is. I don't know if this is just an urban myth, but didn't, um, uh, Anne Hathaway actually auditioned as a Harley Quinn-like character and didn't even know she was applying to be a Catwoman. I have never heard that in terms of um, a Harley Quinn character. I know that she she really wanted to be Catwoman, and, and from what I know, she, she tested for Catwoman. I'll just I'll leave it at that. I don't think that she. Uh, I don't. I've never heard that. So I, okay. I, I, I know. I know for a fact that she was like Nolan called her and for for the female lead, and and it was probably Catwoman, and she was like really wanting that job, and that's just from from what uh, from my press experience around the Dark Knight Rises. You know, got to interview her uh, on the set. Uh, in 2011 and of course at the press junk in 2012 so that's you know I wasn't in there so that's all I can say <laughs> and that and that's why we talk to you Bill because it sips yeah. it sips through the bullshit of the internet yeah. Um, yeah speaking of other rumors that are going on um I don't know where I read this but there was something about Pierce Brosnan they were talking about can, is there yeah. any truth behind that is there or is it just rumor again um I'll chalk it up as rumor I had heard that long ago before it even became a thing 
Hmm. So, uh, as as it sits right now, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be a good get. I think he'd be great as Alfred. He'd be so, brilliant, wouldn't he? You know, yeah. In fact, anyone who's played Bond probably should at some point go do an Alfred. I'm sure there's a correlation there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, you know, he, he was in in 88, 87, 88, when they were putting together Batman 89, he was he was one of the uh, the actors that they considered for, for Batman. So that's, you know, he's got kind of a kind of sort of connection to the franchise. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, I personally think that Jeremy Irons was a great or there was a great opportunity there and it's just a shame he mm-hmm. never got to foresee yeah. it do you think that they should make a clean break from anything to do with previous incarnations or is there a world where maybe we could get some of the things we did like out of the the Snyderverse or would that just be a bit too messy uh I think with bat with with the Batman these Batman films it's going to have not it has nothing to do with anything that uh came before mm. um it's you know uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman is not a younger version of Ben Affleck's Batman, and it, it's you know it's just its own thing. I mean, obviously with Jeffrey Wright, and they're recasting these roles, and I, I, I use the term recasting. They're they're casting the roles for this movie hmm. as as the director envisions. Um, you know, they essentially what they did is they they kept what worked. You know, Gal Gadot. Wonder Woman, um, luckily, and I'll say that, uh, um, Jason Momoa playing Aquaman because, you know, that film was was filming before the Justice League debacle, and yeah. I'm not so sure that, that it would have uh, been made if it was supposed to come afterwards. But anyway, you're going to get another Aquaman movie they're going to, you know, they're going to, of course, they're holding on to Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. I think you just move forward with that, make these solo films that are, that are good and with talented filmmakers and, you know, don't worry about continuity or trying to connect, connect stuff, you know? Hmm. No, I agree with you. Um, Aquaman, by all accounts, should not have been as successful as it was, but somehow they managed to pull it out of the bag and make a great film where I don't know if those spin-offs will actually happen like the deep and stuff. Um, but mm-hmm. if, if we do see them, then then bully for it. Right. Because like you say, it's yeah. good to see these different films, these different styles and, you know, show us something that we're not necessarily accustomed to. God, I'm so excited about this film. Uh, how long have we got away? Have you got a count on your website? Is it another 300 or something uh, days or something? Down to, we're down to less than two, two years now. So you know what, dude, here's why I look at it. I'll say, you know, people say, um, I can't wait for this to happen. It's you know, I'm like, hey, Batman Begins was 14 years ago. You know, the Dark Knight was was what well, we had 11 years ago. You know, and you remember, you think back, you think back um, how we couldn't wait for it to get here, and then they get here, and then we see it, and it's like, okay, what's next? You know, so enjoy it. I always say enjoy the ride. This is the fun part, man. Especially now with the Batman, this is you know, it's ramping up and. It's really going to be fun. The casting, and you know, we're not too far away. I'm sure from seeing uh, some of the first, maybe a logo for the film, and and Polly Pattinson uh, as Batman. So yeah, I'm I'm excited, and, and I'm just I'm I'm savoring it all right now. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna 
I'm not wishing I want, I'm not wishing my Batman on film life away right now. <laughs> if that makes any sense? No, I totally agree with you. I love the little tidbits. I got to be honest though, I was I was gutted that we did not really get anything drop on Batman Day. I was hoping we would get either a picture of because I know he is he's been trying on a suit. I don't know if it's going to be the final suit, but yeah, it would have been great to have seen a little bit. But um, but hey, we got the bat signal shone up around the world instead, yes. which was yeah. even better to be fair. Yeah. So anyway. once, once, yeah, once Joker is here and it's done, I think we're going to start seeing. We'll, we'll start seeing more "quote unquote" official announcements for sure. That they're, you know, they're going to let let the spotlight shine on the Joker here for the next month or so, and then we'll uh, start kicking it in gear here in late October, November. Well, uh, with that being said, let, let's call it uh, call this interview. But thank you so much, Bill. I'm going to call this the interview. Uh, before Joker because I have a feeling we're going to be saying there's movies before Joker and then there's Joker and um, hopefully we'll get even more to talk about in the near future thanks again absolutely yes absolutely anytime man always a pleasure to be speaking to the legend that is Bill Um, but it's quite interesting so on Monday uh, we'll be going to a press screening of the Joker cannot wait it's going to be our review uh, for the next pod we might even do a special about it depending on how much we like it or not like it as the case may be but something that I really wanted to get off my chest and discuss about um, I see a lot on film Twitter and a lot of media outlets are talking about this film being quote-unquote dangerous or like like glorifying things that we don't want and there's fear of of I suppose people being inspired by this and doing stuff which they probably shouldn't do uh, to the extent that actually in America, they are banning anyone going in a cosplayers Joker into cinema screenings in fear of shootings and things like that. Now, you know, first things first, I definitely am sympathetic to anyone's whose lives have been affected by gun culture. And I definitely you know, agree that there's certain thing precautions we should be taking as a society to try and, remove these as impediments in our in our like zeitgeist but to blame a fucking film is just absolutely ridiculous it's just art am i barking up the wrong tree on this john or is there actually a concern here i don't know i'm a little torn because uh this was an actual tip off to the fbi wasn't it the fbi had um there was something going on like they might have caught wind of of a planned attack at a cinema with uh with this film uh but it's a funny one because the film's, you know, the Joker's this social outcast who ends up, you know, doing some pretty heinous things. So it, it, you could see how it ties in. But I'm kind of, I, at the end of the day, I think I'm with you. It's like you, you don't want to stifle art, do you? You don't want to censor what you're making. Um, if they have to take precautions, then, you know, what's sensible. But um yeah, I'm, I'm sort of with you. Why are you going after this film? Like, and someone pointed out on um, on Twitter the other day, which I, again, everyone's entitled to opinion, and not everyone, not everyone knows everything. So sometimes there are things that we all miss and everything else. But someone pointed out saying, literally this summer, like we've all been high fiving and saying how amazing John Wick three was, and he basically kills like a hundred people in that film. He gets dogs. In fact, the amount of films with people that have dogs that have been trained to bite someone's dick, it's been a surprising number of times in cinema over the last six months. We don't sit there and go, oh, should should we uh, have a conversation about the use of dogs in film and what does that mean in terms of the public zeitgeist? Is that going to inspire someone to train their dog to go bite someone's knackers off? Probably not. 
and there's mm. probably a lot of other things you can go after, right? Like, you know, not go there. Let's keep let's keep her uh, films and religion separate. But why don't you ban the fucking Bible if you're going to do that? Do you know what I mean? It's like there's so many other things that you can get inspiration from which do depict things you probably shouldn't be inspired by but it's art it's meant to be it's meant to be fantasy if you can't suspend disbelief enough that you can actually be programmed to go do something as a result of seeing that then then the joker movie is probably the last thing that's going to make you do something anyway because other things would have inspired you long before so i i i don't know i'm maybe i'm on the wrong side of this argument i don't know but it really does grind my gears (laughs) Mm, America, though, you know, America has a gun culture where someone can take an AR-15 into a cinema. Or, or I, probably varies from state to state, but they have a lot of open carry places, don't they? Public places. Um, and the Joker is a social outcast sort of loner. And this is supposedly a kind of more sympathetic portrayal of that sort of character. So I think that's what mm. the concern is. But... Yeah, I think it says more about their gun culture than um, anything else. That's that's the real issue, in my opinion. No offense. Fair Michael. enough. But yeah, if I see another like hot take opinion piece on the same people that are then going to be at the press screening next week or writing like singing its praises articles when it's award season, like you can't have your cake and eat it, and it feels like you're just clickbaiting, in my opinion. Um, but then again, who knows? No one's seen, like, hardly anyone has actually seen this film as well. Like, let's, let's just get one thing straight. Like, only like a handful of journalists around the world have actually seen this movie. So, the amount of like attention this is getting to the point where Joaquin Phoenix in interviews has had to like justify and had to keep his cool in terms of people basically trying to goad him into saying something which is going to add more fuel to the fire. Even the director has come out and said stuff and you know, granted, the director's probably said a few too many things in terms of comparing to other movies and everything else. I think just let the film release and then be more of a judger. Yeah, give more judgment on it from that. But who knows? Anyway, I might just be an old man yelling at cloud. Something that I wasn't yelling about, though. So let's let's go into news. News. Yes, let is let's rejoice. Okay, so let's let's talk about this. Spider Man MCU. Uh, there was a decision made that Spider-Man would not be in the MCU, a no deal, if you will. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) karma hands prevailed. Uh, Smarter minds looked at this and looked in the cold light of day and realized that no deal was not in the best interest of Sony or Marvel. So they reversed their decision after looking at the evidence. And lo and behold, we have Spider-Man back in the MCU. Uh, I won't try and go any more political undertones in that. But anyway, I am fucking so happy. Spider-Man Tom Holland is back in the MCU. There's going to be one uh, more Spider-Man movie, which will be the third in the Homecoming trilogy, as well as another appearance in another MCU movie. John, I know I've been crying to you about this each night. I've been looking at my picture Mm. of Tom Holland hanging out with Tony Stark, thinking, oh, the good old days. I'm I'm so happy. I know John's just happy that I'll stop talking about this, but <laughs> ever so please. What as a layman Spider-Man fan, a layman Spider-Man <laughs> fan, can't say that right. Uh, what does this mean for Lenny? It means that. So what this means specifically? This means that in fu- in the future, 
For Spider-Man with Tom Holland, they are allowed to reference the MCU and the past. And the reason why that is important is because in the film that literally just came out a month ago, um, it was basically grounded in all the events that have happened in the MCU thus far. Uh, So many of the actors and characters, like um, Happy Hogan, played by none other than Jon Favreau, which, by the way, sidebar, season two of Chef, like, fucking watch it. It is so good. It's basically just... John Favreau hanging out with really cool people making delicious food and you're just sitting there going I just want a cheese sandwich all day anyway yeah back to what it means for the MCU uh, it means that as mentioned you know it's going to be ingrained in that law it means that the story can continue in terms of some of the things they put in there but it also means that Tom Holland is allowed to appear in other Marvel movies so that might be an Avengers movie or that might be as a supporting member in someone else's movie who knows but there's a world of possibilities that stays open they're talking a lot about multiverse stuff so i think Tom Holland probably will appear in uh, into the Spider-Verse sequel you know, whether that's lending his voice or they do something amazing with animation, because let's face it, the first film rewrote the rule book on animation on animation, and there's an opportunity here for some pretty cool stuff. So yeah, that's what that means. It means everything's possible again, and it's not going to be like those ill-fated um, Andrew Garfield movies where they kind of screwed the pooch. Um, you got basically Kevin Feige back in the fold in terms of doing producing. But speaking about Kevin Feige, he's also a very, very busy boy because he has actually just signed on. Apparently, it's official now. He is going to produce a Star Wars film with Katherine Kennedy uh, at some point in the future. Now, considering we've got Rise of M- uh, sorry, Rise of Skywalker coming out in Christmas time, uh, that means there's although lots of plans, we don't necessarily know where we're going with Star Wars next. So this is quite exciting. Uh, John, how excited are you for Episode Nine? Um, I'm excited. I I'm excited about the the end of it. <laughs> Not in a bad way, but obviously, <laughs> I am a, a passive Star Wars fan. But um, all the spin-offs and I, I don't know the prequels, the spin-offs, all the extras. I'm not that excited. I have to be honest. Um, it feels like Disney are going to milk this until there's nothing left. Uh, they've spent a lot of money on it and I'm, I think they probably recouped it already. But uh, yeah, that's m- sort of my feelings. I know it's a bit cynical. How about you? I'm, I was, after Last Jedi, I was one of those people that didn't necessarily like it too much. Um, I can enjoy it. I can acknowledge it exists. You know, I'm not one of those people that wants to, to go kick down Ryan Johnson's flat per se. But um, yeah, I do have to say I did not agree with some of the direction he went with that. But you know, as we when we reviewed this film two years ago now, which is fucking scary uh, thing how long we've been doing this pod now. But um, you know, I applauded the direction and the boldness it took to to make those decisions. So, you know, Star Wars isn't just for me, it's for the world. And it's interesting that um they're going in this different direction with all these different people. One of the things though that I do have to say is that it feels like with the Star Wars trilogy, the latest one, they they tried this approach of and then storytelling. And what I mean by that is there doesn't appear to be an overarching narrative right from the start. They kind of went, all right, JJ, have at it for episode seven. Uh, don't worry about where it goes next. Just just build it up and and we'll carry the torch, carry the baton on. Ryan Johnson come in and basically took what JJ done and decided to potentially redcon some bits that he didn't like and add some new elements in his own image of how he wants to tell a story, not necessarily knowing where the end game is going to play, pardon the pun, with the MCU stuff. And um, 
Now we've got JJ coming back because obviously Colin Trevorrow was originally meant to to pen this, but after a disagreement with Disney, he he left and he went back to his Jurassic franchise and fair play to him. And JJ is now trying to pick up the pieces and and land the ship. And that means that we've kind of got a lot of people feeling like, I don't really know where this is going. It's not really, I don't know what the objective is here really. And that means that we're not getting something to get hyped about other than it ends. That's the only thing we know. And we've got a title that says Rise of Skywalker. So, okay, cool. There's going to be something to do with Skywalker, whether it's about um, heritage or or Luke himself or or everything in between of that. Where what Marvel have done has been, actually, we've got a, a narrative. We know about these Infinity Stones and all that sort of stuff. I'm not going to go into the details of that. You know it if you know it. Um, but they've been planning that for the best part of 22 films, 23 films. Not saying that they've done that to, uh, you know, every detail was nailed on to begin with. They obviously learned and discovered stuff as they went along, but they had a, they had an end point. And it feels like Star Wars is now starting to go, mm, actually, we probably should have gone with that approach. Like in hindsight, we probably should have had a, a state of where we needed to get to. So going forward, it sounds interesting. Like, where are we going to go? What's going to happen? You've got someone like Kevin Feige uh, giving a guiding hand now. Yes, this is only for one movie, but you don't get someone like Kevin Feige in just for one movie. I'm pretty sure it is to consult and help out wherever else he can. And so it's interesting to see where they go from that. I do believe that the Ryan Johnson trilogy is not going to happen. In my opinion, I think that due to the negativity around the last Jedi, I think Disney are slowly stepping away from that trilogy idea. And they got the writers from game of Thrones to pen another trilogy. I have a feeling that, they are going to be heavily involved with John Favreau and Catherine Kennedy's thoughts in the future. Cause I can imagine Disney are like, Hmm, when they've got source material, they're really good at adapting it like with game of Thrones, but that last season, mm, I don't know <laughs> if these are the right guys anymore. Yeah. So all of a sudden someone like Kevin Feige working with them, it makes sense, right? I'm not saying that they've got to fire them or anything like that. Although they are known for firing writers. They fired Lord Miller, from that solo movie and those guys by all accounts had a great film in fact there is a version of that film that exists it's they're just never going to release it um, which is a shame because i feel like there is probably a world where we do get that as a feature on a dvd or something but um but yeah sorry john that's a really long-winded way of me saying i'm excited <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's good i mean star wars obviously starts as a brainchild of a genius idea and then it ex- exploded into this huge uh you know the talent they've got the talent pool they can use now on these films is incredible um but is it too many cooks spoil the broth flinty yeah you're probably right i think that they've like if you actually look okay let's look at all the things they announced they've said a trilogy of ryan johnson a trilogy written by the game of thrones guys now another film that's being bolted on which i don't know is part of those trilogies or not but that's the one with kevin feige now producing you've also got the mandalorian the tv show that's coming out on disney plus in december which john favreau's been directing and we've also oh, it's been i think he's been the showrunner and there's been like loads of special guest directors taika waitiki's directed some bits and does a voice of a character in it as well and you've got a bunch of other stuff, which is rumour mill all the time. That Obi-Wan TV show, Ian McGregor reprising his role. So, yeah, you're right. There's probably a lot, maybe a bit of saturation. But then again, you know, people say that about the Marvel movies. And I think the only people who say that are the people that don't actually watch it. Because if they watched it, they understand why <laughs> and why I'm these films make billions right of dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, that's cool. That's cool, man. That's cool. Like, I, I, I don't judge. But 
there's a reason why he's like and Helen O'Hara when we had her on the pod like she said it best like yeah they will stop if they don't make money and if they don't make money that's because they're not good so if they keep making good stuff then it's not really like a bad thing at the moment so yeah let's see what comes out but I do have a feeling that that Ryan Johnson trilogy is not going to happen because there's been no Mm. like no discussion about it no other than just yeah 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 back in the day we went Ryan Johnson will receive a trilogy. And after that, that was it. Nothing. And Ryan Johnson, he's working not- his own stuff at the moment. I mean, to to counterpoint that, though, uh, I mean, bad movies are making a lot of money. <laughs> I'd say more so <laughs> yeah. than ever before. But um, yeah, that, that is true. That is true. Aladdin is a prime example. That grosses over a billion. They're going to make a sequel to it as well. Um, yeah, I, 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 I hear you. But as someone who fucking loves these films, I can't see a I can't see a bad one yet. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, I'm being grump. I'm being a grumpy old man because I'm just getting over being ill. So you know, you call me on a bad day. You know what? Cheer, cheer. Segue that. Go on, go on. Segue oh, so that this in, is what's so. going to cheer you up. This is going <laughs> to cheer you up, my friend. So Jurassic World three. We know we you know we can all rejoice that the OG cast is coming back, but properly coming back. So in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, they kept saying Jeff Goldblum's back and Jeff Goldblum's going to be a big part of it. And the truth was it was just one scene that they put at the front and the end of the, mo- at the movie. They just bookended it with a, a little speech he done. So I was so, I felt cheapened. I felt ripped off. Still enjoyed the film, but we got the OG cast back. This is really exciting. Laura Dern, uh, Jeff Goldblum and Sam Neill are going to be reprising their roles. They're still keeping Chris Pratt and Brees Dallas Howard, although Chris Pratt is trying his absolute best to somehow not get work by his Twitter or social media activities, if you follow that. Let's just say the guy's a bit like, stand by your religion and fair play to you, mate. But look, let's leave. Don't just keep stuff to yourself. Just stop talking. <laughs> Go back to being Andy Dwyer, not some preacher. You know, check this um, out. Uh, it's a, uh, it's basically look. He's he's a member of a church, and his church holds very old school um, views on stuff. And they've been a bit condemning, if that's the right word, of certain behaviours. And he's kind of standing by his church and saying people are outraged and stuff like that. And it's just a, I don't know. I think always keep religion and pop culture apart, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, you're entitled to be your own beliefs, but not at the expense of others. And it's starting to verge on the expense of others, in my opinion. Um, so go back to being Andy Dwyer. Just just make us laugh. Don't make us frown. Anyway, um, he's going to be back in Jurassic World 3. We haven't got a title of it yet. Colin Trevorrow has been doing the rounds um, recently on various media outlets. He was on the Empire Live podcast, actually, a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely great interview listening to him. Um, yeah, so I'm so excited about this. The only thing is, like, we talked about this when the short movie dropped a couple of weeks ago, uh, Battle of Big Rock. Where can they take this, and how can the OG cast come back in a meaningful way? And I hope they're used in a way to not just prop up the stars, if that makes sense. I, I hope it's not just a, a five-second, here's Sam Neill wrestling a Velociraptor and saying, here you go, kid, you're the new indie. You know, I don't, I don't want that. I want, um, I want a nice storyline that actually involves them in a meaningful way. Back to more segueing, John. Go on. In Jurassic Park, you go, a little filmy mm. fact. The scene where they're at the laboratory and they're wandering around and there's a voiceover... Um, done telling people to head to the darks in the next 10 minutes that was done by samuel jackson because they were like oh fuck we needed some background noise and didn't have a voice actor to do the tunnel announcement so they just got samuel jackson mm. to do it i'm sure that's the kernels of this latest bit of news that samuel jackson is going to be 
the first celebrity voice on Amazon Echo devices. So on your Amazon Echo, you can have in the near future, Samuel Jackson telling you what the weather's going to be. Wow. Do you know, I just hear that so cynically, but I mean, that what is he getting paid for that? And secondly, that's just a nice, friendly way of saying it's okay. Don't worry about having listening devices in your home because we can make it sound like your favorite actor. Oh, <laughs> no, I feel a bit. I feel a bit gross after that news, Flinty. I, I, to be honest, I'm like this is incredible. I want to wake up with Samuel <laughs> Jackson telling me the news. Um, oh. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, so uh, it is a bit creepy from that perspective. What other voices, like celebrity actor voices, has to be film that you? Uh, you would have on a AI assistant. Who would I have? Who do I love? I'd probably have someone like David Attenborough. That would really, uh, that would really make me comfortable with having a robot in the room. That's even more <laughs> sinister, though, isn't it? I, I just like the robots. Give me a proper robot so that I rem- remember you're a robot and you do not have my <laughs> best interests at heart. So I want Scarlett Johansson so I can do my own version of she, <laughs> maybe or um... him, her. <laughs> what were you uh, sorry, about? that was it. Uh, yeah. Um, also, oh, who else would be be good for that? Jeffrey Wright's got a really distinct voice. Actually, I think he'll be quite good. Or Ian McKellen, he'll be quite good. You know him, him waking <laughs> up in the morning. You shall <laughs> yeah. There it goes. Yeah. There's so many, isn't there? There are so many. Um, oh, I'm at a blank though. <laughs> Uh, mm. Pierce Brosnan, he's got a nice soothing voice. In fact, there was a Simpsons episode where um, Pierce Brosnan voiced an AI assistant in a Halloween horror. Maybe it's them predicting the future. That'd be interesting. Oh, any Bond? Mm. Any Bond? Oh God, you got you got to have Sean Connery. Good morning, <laughs> here's your morning news. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. So, um, so yeah, get in contact with us, Twitter of Eddie's. Uh, actors that you'd like to have voicing around your home but just before we wrap up news uh, it's dropping very very soon the irishman the scorsese epic uh, which is a netflix original they dropped another trailer i think it's the final one and it has shown us the real sort of sprawling timelines that this film is going to cover to the point that they have de-aged robert de niro to the point where he's in his 20s he's in his 40s in his 60s and um, yeah I've, I've got opinions but john what are your thoughts Oh, I'm intrigued about your opinions now. I kind of thought that this trailer has a lot of sort of de-aged um, old men. And I thought, on the whole, they looked pretty good. Um, De Niro sort of looked... I mean, it, it looks all right when he's sort of 45-ish. Um, yeah. Did it show him even younger than that? Yeah, there's a scene where um, they show him for his war days and right. it kind of looks like a PlayStation game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it probably needs a bit more polish. I mean, you know, I'm surprised they're going down this route as much as they are, but I think it's just a case of, look, I want to really show Robert De Niro and his range that we all know he has across this, you know, spanning multiple decades. And how can we do that? It's quite funny because um, there was a thing on film Twitter of various actors who, you know, they, they have like, oh, this is my age range. And they're showing different people in different, you know, in kind of like a four square thing. And they're like, it's like Robert De Niro can now go out and say, I can now do scenes for 20-year-olds again. And then mm. another one posts up saying, I see you're Robert De Niro and raise you a Paul Rudd. And it's just four pictures of the same Paul Rudd because he just hasn't aged in the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, 
I think that on the whole, I really like this trailer, though. It got me up excited about this movie. As you know, we are already excited. Netflix original, bringing the, it's, it's sort of got to get the band back together feel, though, isn't it? Mm, yeah, definitely. And I just hope it's not going to be uh, <laughs> when really old bands get back together and it's not as good, but no one wants to admit it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But there's me being cynical again. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. I agree with your concern. But, um, yeah, by all accounts, because there's been some screeners, um, and from what I've heard and seen from people, is that don't think of this as Goodfellas or, like, this the kind of trilogy of Casino, Goodfellas, and this is that third movie. It's not that. It's its own right. It's got its own pacing. So bear that in mind. Um, it's quite a long watch. So, yeah, but also, yeah, don't uh, don't think it's just a quick, oh, stick it on in the background. You've got to sit down and really, really breathe it in. But, I mean, come on, you look at this cast. You've got Joe, uh, Joe Pescesi back. You've got uh, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. Oh, you know, it's just how can this not be good? Even if it just makes you, even if it just makes you sit there and think about all the other films they've been in, that's still that's enough for me. I like my member berries, and it's a that's that's another <laughs> member berry trip there. They right? must be really excited. About, I don't know. Do you think the de aging thing kind of sold it to some of them? They were like, "That sounds." You know, I know I'm aware of that new sort of technology that's been used in films now. I'd quite like to uh, see myself as a 20 year old again. That'd be fun. I reckon that was a big selling point for these actors. Very true. I think the more reference material you've got, the better it looks. So I use Samuel Jackson and Captain Marvel as kind of like the prime example. Like that is Samuel Jackson from the nineties. Like they've done such a good job with that. And it's not a case of they just CGI that actor in the actor went and done the performance and then they just enhanced it with digital assets. They've got from, from archives and that's great to do with like 90 stuff, but obviously with Robert De Niro, the age he's at, the sort of reference material they've got is probably quite old. So it must be really hard. It must be really challenging to take those assets and put them in a way which de-ages them so it's believable but doesn't look rubbish. So again, it's look each time I see these trailers, they're getting better and better. They're obviously adding more and more polish each time. Um, I'm sure someone on YouTube will do a timeline of showing you how the effects have improved from trailer to trailer. But uh Hopefully, with a little bit more polish, it'll look even better. But you know what? Fuck it. As long as we get a good story, Scorsese, we're going to get that. So, yeah, cannot wait. We'll be reviewing that in a couple of weeks' time. So, anyway, that's your news for this week. You're dealing with an expert with guns, with knives, with his bare hands. Rambo was the best. I finally came home. Rambo Last Blood is the final movie in John Rambo's illustrious career. Now, this is directed by Adrian Grunberg. It's based on a story written by Dan Gordon and Sylvester Stallone. Obviously, we know Sly is no stranger to being behind the camera, directing and writing some of the best parts of the Rocky franchise, as well as some of the more questionable parts of the John Rambo franchise. Uh, essentially, this story clues in the title. It's the last film in the series. Sylvester Stallone's Rambo has come home. He has come to to mend bridges, specifically the bridge with his niece, who's kind of like his emotional anchor to society and the world. Uh, he lives out in a, in a ranch on a farm. He's been building lots of traps and survival thingies because old habits die hard. And um, yeah, he's been trying to build this life again and keeping close connection with his niece. 
Uh, I won't go into spoiler details, but essentially a Mexican cartel has gotten hold of his niece and she might be lost to the sex trafficking trade. So Rambo goes across the border to go bring her back. Think taken with a smidge of first blood in this as well. Uh, the action is as gory as hell. The the one-liners are there. Um, Sylvester Stallone, although in my opinion, um, this isn't as bad as what a lot of the other media outlets are reporting this as. It's not great though still. Um, I think what the biggest shame about this is that if we think about the involvement Sly has had with Rocky in the last few years in particular and the way he has breathed this character and lived and gave it a hero's welcome and a hero's ending with um, the way Rocky has been handled in those Creed movies, that same care to the attention of the character has not shown in this part of the franchise. Unfortunately, this is not as not as emotional, uh, not as impactful, and ultimately just leaves you going, meh, at the end of it. Yes, there's some interesting bits in this, essentially. Obviously, in case you couldn't tell, um, he does eventually get his knees back, as the trailers indicates, and he has to have like a, a, a last stand at his ranch, where it's kind of like Home Alone if it was an 80s gore movie aimed at adults. And that's probably the highest praise I can give it. Um, it is being panned at the moment. The scores are quite low. Uh, even the original writer of the first Rambo movie has come out and said, this is a piece of shit, don't see it. I wouldn't go that far. Um, I wouldn't pay hard-earned money to go see this, though. I would wait until it comes out on various streaming services or Sky or, or whatever. It is kind of a shame that this is how the franchise ends. Um, but I suppose you know it's still... It's adds something. It warrants its existence. Um, it's just that it's pretty lifeless. There's just no, nothing that makes me think, oh, this is the action film of the year. It's almost like some Hollywood producers sat there and just went, you need a Taken-style movie. And you got John Rambo. Let's just stick all that together in a smelting pot. And we'll put in like this, this last stand heist element at the end where everyone's going to come after you, John, and, and you'll set lots of booby traps around. It's going to be great. Um, I've got to be honest though, and also the depiction of Mexico in this film is quite on the nose. I don't think it's done particularly tastefully. Um, I do think that this is kind of pandering to a certain audience. Anyway, um, that aside, I'm going to go 2 out of 5. Um, it's a Rambo movie. It, what you see is what you get. You're not going to be thinking about this as a film of the year, and you're going to forget about it quite quickly. Um, to be honest, it got me more hyped about thinking about where Sly is going to go with Rocky if he does make an appearance again in another Creed movie rather than thinking, let's give a fitting end to John. So there you have it. Two out of five. Rambo, Last Blood. I'm going to tear you apart. This is what it feels like. So that was a bit of a downer, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Rambo Last Blood. Yes, unfortunately, it's not all it was hyped up to be. A bit of a shame. But you know what is going to cheer me up, though, John? You've got another top five, haven't you? Yes, John, I have another top five. So this week's top five is top five unnecessary or useless plot points, which have nothing to do with the story, yet stay with you long after the film has gone. We've all seen a film where you go, why the hell have they done that? Or how did that actually impact the story? And then literally months or even years years later you've forgotten about the film but you still remember those stupid little details which is the only thing we can do best on talk filmy to me so anyway i'm gonna start off with one of them john okay armageddon uh-huh classic film it's is 
what's the better um, disaster movie for you? Is it Deep Impact or Armageddon? Where do you sit on this scale? Because this is important. <laughs> um, I'd go. I'd go along with Armageddon. It's got that. It's yeah. got that classic feeling. Yeah. I agree with you. I'm an Armageddon man, although Deep Impact was quite good as well. So anyway, there's one little thing that I, I spend a lot of time, too much time thinking about after this film. Okay, so the world's going to end. And for whatever reason, you know, it's a, uh, I, can, I can suspend disbelief, meteorite coming to the Earth. We need to train up these drill guys to go to space because apparently it's easier to train uh, guys who can drill into the Earth and, um, than it is to train astronauts to use a drill. Anyway, let's not go there. It, apparently, there's actually like a, a story behind that of Ben Affleck saying to Michael Bay, like, surely it's better just to get astronauts to do this. And he's like, shut up. It's just a plot point. Who cares? Um, <laughs> but what I generally think about too much um, from this film is, you know, when like Bruce Willis is negotiating whether they'll take the mission or not, right? Mm. A, because it's potentially a suicide mission, which, spoiler alert, it ends up being. Uh, but if you if no one does this, then we're all fucked anyway. So we've got to do it. There's no incentive to not do this because the Earth's going to blow up. But anyway, he's negotiating because why not in a position of power? And they go through some funny chop bitch, you know, of oh, such and such wants to spend a night in the Playboy Mansion. But then they decided to go, oh, yeah, none of us want to pay taxes again, ever. And I was just thinking, how would that work in real life? Would it just be that their salaries would be just like, you know, their salaries would be, here's your salary without tax. Would they carry around the card because you pay VAT? So it's like, oh, mate, I don't pay that. I've, I've, got, I've got the special I saved the earth card from a, <laughs> from a copy. Yeah. <laughs> like, how does that work? Property tax? Like, I, I don't know. Like I said, it's, I spent too much time thinking about this. That's but priority. it generally protects me, John. How, do, how would we solve this? And why, how, it's not even important to the film. They could have just said, oh, give me a, give me a billion dollars. Because yeah. there you go. I'm not going to spend that sort of money in my lifetime anyway. So, so yeah, yeah. Did, maybe that's, do you agree uh, with me, John? I kind of, maybe that's, they were being very, like, clever and ironic. You know, the world's going to end and we're arguing about money sort of thing. Yeah. I also think it's probably Michael Bay, who I, I do slag off quite a bit on this podcast. I don't, it all comes from a place of love. I've watched a bunch of his fucking films and everything else. So um, anyway, I think it's Michael Bay like going, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this for the, for the working man out there. Stick it to the president. I want to pay my fucking taxes because I'm Bruce Willis <laughs> and I like beer. And I'm going to save the earth. So maybe, maybe. But then um, whenever I think of Michael Bay and, again, stupid distractions and why was that in that film completely, obviously you think about the Transformers movies. And there's one scene in um, Age of Extinction, which is my number two of uh, this top five. And that is um, in Age of Extinction, there's a plot point where Mark Welbo's character has a daughter who's about to go to college in America. And uh, she's got a boyfriend an up-and-coming rally star who's, spons- who's about to be sponsored by Red Bull. And uh, they decided to be like, wait a minute, how, the f- how old are you and why are you dating her? Like, that's, that's a bit dodgy. And they decided to pull out. They're in a specific state in America. And I don't know my, my uh, laws about underage dating and all that sort of stuff, but apparently there's a clause, a law in particular states of America called the Romeo and Juliet law, which basically permits people to court each other of certain ages because of this law and anyway, i don't know the full details of it it is so like micro law basically to justify 
jailbait going out of an old guy. That's like, it's, it's just, again, Michael Bay, like covering his ass going, hmm, throughout most of my career, all I've done is show TNA. And on top of that, all I've done is just basically done big explosions and actions and lingerie models and, you know, putting them as the, the main people. So, you know what? There's actually a law out here, which I've done research on over what, <laughs> who can date who at what age. It's a bit creepy. Do you know anything about this, John? Not no, dating younger I, girls, I, but this Romeo and Juliet law. <laughs> no, I did not. Well, I'm being educated as we speak. I've got another uh, creepy yeah. ra- random moment for you in a film that serves no purpose. Um, one of my favourites, Hook, as you yeah. know. Tinkerbell, when she becomes full size and then shrinks back down, I mean, what was the point in that? <laughs> I didn't really get <laughs> I, that. I think it was literally because Julia Roberts probably demanded screen time somehow. But I do agree, <laughs> it's something creepy about that because it's it's almost implying like Peter and Tinkerbell... Like, if worlds were slightly different, you know, that maybe they would have ended up together. If it could fit. Mm. Well, yeah, um, apparently she can go giant as well, right? So, I don't know. I agree with you. There's something really creepy about that. And I generally, like, as a kid, I didn't think about it at all. I just think Hook's one of the most charming, amazing movies ever, which, you know, for the record, it is. But um, when you look at that through adults' eyes, you go, why? why is she bigger? And why is she, like... I don't know, like presenting herself to him (laughs) in that. You remember that weird dream sequence where she's like adult size and just basically saying, basically implying that she loves him. And you don't know if it's like a a childish, I love you like a family member love, or is it a, Hey, now you're a man. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a call. You know, Mrs. Robinson sort of thing. I don't know. Um, But yeah, it does stay with you long after, doesn't it? That one yeah it's a it's kind of weird um i've got another one go on in the matrix reloaded okay neo and trinity have sex right oh what? Uh, oh you're talking about the the cave orgy is that yes it's but it's not a kind of sexy sex scene it's just weird no. right because it's future yeah. i don't know the whole thing just future seems sex. very <laughs> future sex pointless and strange uh and i don't know why they put it in there but uh i mean what do you reckon did you enjoy that well i yeah first of all it's like the the most unsexiest sex thing you can imagine isn't it but uh, <laughs> and also it i couldn't help but think i remember uh, watching this in the cinema and i was uh, i was with my girlfriend then at the time and I was there thinking, so you left the Matrix for this. Like, you sit in a cave and um, you're basically in fear of dying every day. So you think, oh, well, might as well fuck. And that's kind of what was going on in that cave while everyone's grinding on each other, while Neo and Trinity are, are at it in a in a cave somewhere. But I think the reason why that scene exists, this is just my opinion, is that Trinity and Neo are both so binary in terms of their personalities right it's that it feels void of emotion sometimes yeah and i think what they were trying to do is a show that there is a genuine chemistry between the two of them and they are in love and they are a couple and they're human and you know they want to express that and this is trying to add a bit of humanity to them by you know what 
you know, when we're not saving the world or trying to rescue humanity and we've got a moment together, yeah, fuck it, let's fuck, you know? So I get why, like, the concept of why doing that. I think the execution just made them look even more robotic and binary. <laughs> mm. Maybe the Wachowski brothers, that's where they were kind of getting a bit weird, getting a bit kinky. But, maybe, um, maybe. But I do agree with you. A lot of people spend a lot of time talking about that scene than uh, a lot of other parts of that film. And uh, actually, a, a few weeks ago when I had Woods on the pod and we were talking about the concepts of a fourth Matrix movie, I watched The Matrix Reloaded recently, and I've got to be honest, it does not hold up. But <laughs> the first one has been redone in cinemas recently. And although I didn't get a chance to go see it, I think the Prince Charles Theatre in um, in London were doing like a real big screening of it to mark its, I think it's 20th anniversary or something like that. Um, it was on Sky, and I watched it again. The first Matrix movie most definitely holds up. It's, it is still one of the best films ever, in my opinion. And yeah, the sequels, you know, we get stuff like rubber-faced uh, men beating up Neo whilst at the same time sex in caves. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. Just uh, So we'll, we'll put that in that top five, definitely, with your with your hook one as well. But just uh, an honourable mention, Enemy of the State, one of my favourite films of all time, right? Again, I, I'm an apologist for it, um, if there is such a thing. But there's one little thing which I think, why do that? Like, I was spending ages thinking about this afterwards. So do you remember... Have you seen Enemy of State? I have, but yeah, not, I think once. So this might go over my head, but go on. Okay. So Will Smith's house gets broken into and basically it's to cover up the fact they're planting bugs everywhere. Okay. And they took his blender and Will Smith is then at a a yacht club or, you know, a, a yuppie club, whatever you want to call it. And he's in the locker room talking to his best mate, and um, they're like, oh, he took took everything, ruined some clothes, and he took my blender. And he's like, oh, why are you so mad about my blender? And he's like, oh, I love that blender. Um, some people relax uh, by meditating or, or sport. I blend. And I'm like, your pastime <laughs> is using a blender. <laughs> like, so what, what wow. do you do? You just buy, do you just buy a bunch of, like, fruit and just blend? Like, talk about... Talk about first world problems. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna. Well, how's your weekend? Oh, it was so great. I blended this smoothie, and it was so so relaxing. <laughs> That's weird. Maybe there's there's some sort of product placement there. Maybe, maybe. Uh, in fact, Jack Black has his his blender, doesn't he? Uh, in the third act, and he's like, "I'm gonna come back and get my blender." It's just like like. <laughs> Is blending that? That's. I mean, I've got a Nutribullet, and don't get me wrong, like that's a damn good blender. And there is something cool about locking it in, and you know, in five seconds, all your your stuff's now a liquid. But I mean, for this to be a real act of relaxation, surely you need to be blending for a long time. Which you know, what you're blending at this point, and how do you judge how relaxing the blend is? <laughs> it's a weird yeah, one. I've been thinking about that one far too long. Um, but yeah, I was just. I remember watching it at the time, just going. That's your hobby. (laughs) (laughs) But it is a classic film. It is definitely one of my favourite Will Smith movies. And when we stop doing stupid, pedantic details of top fives, let's do a top five Will Smith movie uh, 
one day but uh, obviously there's far more pedantic things we have to go through first via the internet uh, and i suppose honorable mention again another detail was a uh, man of steel john i know it's one of your favorite f- films you watch all the time um mm-hmm. zack snyder's uh first dip in the water for the dceu or whatever they call it um henry cavill being superman absolutely brilliant in that role the music in that film is actually beautiful john i highly recommend if you just go on spotify and listen to the man of steel score it's it is some of the best music that's been put to film in the last 10 years, in my opinion. Um, but there's one little thing. And again, I think, I think even Gillette like sponsored this. So there's a scene, it's basically, it's an origin story. If you've not seen it about Superman and it's about him discovering his powers and how it becomes either the person he's meant to be, or makes a decision over whether he you know, stays in hiding and whatnot. And uh, at one point he's on the land, like he's, he's out living literally on, on the land. And, he goes feral. He grows a massive beard. And then he gets rid of his beard. And you think, with your Superman, how do you shave? Because you're indestructible. <laughs> and Gillette literally spent like millions on this advertising campaign, sponsoring and promoting Man of Steel and a special Man of Steel razor. And they're just like, how does he shave? Find out on Gillette.com. Uh, I was just like, oh my God, this has become like just cheesy advertising. It's not enough to get into my top five, but uh, I, I have spent far too long thinking about how does Superman shave. I think there's <laughs> even people out there that have wrote, like, wrote tons of pieces on Reddit over, well, he uses his laser vision to, to reflect off surfaces, to, to cut it off and all that stuff. Like, oh my God, this has opened up far more can of worms than this film ever intended to. He just lived on the land for a bit and had a beard. <laughs> Superman could never have facial hair. That's that is not part of his mo. I remember on Lois and Clark, the New Adventures of Superman. It was towards the later seasons where they're together and they're like just hanging out and living with each other and all that sort of stuff. Mm. I always remember there's one scene where it ends with them in bed chuckling with each other, and she goes, "Oh, it's a bit cold." And he lift like <laughs> Clark lifts up the sheets. Obviously, you can't see what he's doing, and you just see his laser eyes zap something, and they go, "Ooh!" And the show ends. I'm like. Did he just murder her? <laughs> <laughs> wow. What well, you would use it like in that way though, wouldn't you? Although you'd probably actually well, kill a lot of girlfriends. Yeah, I think um I don't know what you you'd put on the death certificate there. Uh, death by misadventure, I suppose, would be the the polite way of putting it. But uh um, hair yeah. removal. <laughs> there we go a new new product placement why has this not been done before that's why justice league was so bad because there wasn't enough laser hair removal <laughs> <laughs> so anyway there you have it if you have a top five or more of things that you think are so pedantic and but you know literally you think so much about movies and stays with you long after get in contact with us on twitter at talk filming <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this, then just maybe you're willing to go a little bit further. If you click on the like, follow, subscribe, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Film with me, you'll find out about our Joker review next week. We're also going to be reviewing Gemini Man, which is Will Smith versus Will Smith. Or if you look at it from this way, Fresh Prince versus Uncle Phil and a bunch of other stuff in between of that. Anyway, more importantly, my co-host, Johnny Boy, how can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Descamento. So keep it locked, stay filmy till next time. Bye bye. Down in the basement, we'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.